following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Broadcasting from deep inside the forests of Arborea, welcome to Flash Gordon Minute. Presenting your hosts, survivors of the Wood Beast Trial, Brad and Eric. It is minute 103, 103 minutes of Flash Gordon Minute. That is fantastic. Uh, Eric, how are you doing? Oh, Brad, I... I... Uh, this minute is awesome. It's it's so awesome. And uh, just a quick reminder: I would not want to play darts against Flash Gordon because he that guy he can find the target. It's it's amazing that he he played for the Jets. I mean, he's so accurate. <laughs> yeah, we got to get him all all the Jets bashing in because good lord, we only have so long left. And uh, now it's after that, it's not us making fun of the Jets; it's just the world making fun of the Jets. <laughs> uh, but someone you should not make fun of because he is awesome. Uh, who, who was our guest again, Eric? Our guest again from Earth's Mixtape is Mike Dunlavy. And I'm wondering, does uh, Nova, Sh- Nova, Sh- does Nova Scotia... Yes, Sean Connery. What are you or, saying? <laughs> does, does Nova... Ah, oh, Trebek. Nova Scotia. Uh, does Nova Scotia or does Halifax have a CFL football team that is the equivalent of the Jets? We do not, but there is current. There are current. There is currently a very strong move uh, to make that happen. Ah, and there there are people trying to get a stadium built to make that happen. So so uh, check back in a few months, and you may see a Halifax CFL team. I honestly threw that question out there, and, and I honestly I, I did not know what to expect from your answer. The, the, this this is a cutting edge topic, Eric. <laughs> Wow! People are taking sides. You're you're you stepped into a minefield. Oh my! Flash Gordon minute exclusive. There you go. Uh, how how popular is the CFL? Uh, popular enough to have gone for you know about a hundred years now. It feels. It's real interesting because um, as I mentioned yesterday, and it's come up over the course of time. Uh, I have worked and lived near Baltimore, uh, for a long time now, and um, pretty well known. Story, um, when the Baltimore Colts in the middle of the night left Baltimore for Indianapolis and for a period of time uh, Baltimore actually got a CFL team. Yeah, I remember that. And there's a great, by the way, 30 for 30 documentary about the Colts leaving Baltimore if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. And it actually sort of focused on the, the Colts marching band. The marching band, yeah. I remember when that came out. The 30 for 30 um, show uh, documentaries are excellent. And but that one in particular, boy, everyone in Baltimore was just choked up and talking about it for the next two weeks. And I have seen the I have seen the Colts now Ravens uh, marching band uh, perform. Uh, they're I don't know if I really have the expertise to say it, but they're a good marching band. Oh, good. It'd be sad if they were bad at it. <laughs> but I am curious because uh, the Canadian Football League does make the news every now and then in the states. Uh, most recently, because uh, John Johnny Menzel. Uh, I know he signed a contract and is playing in the CFL with not the greatest amount of uh, success, but, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm going to admit here that I'm more of a baseball guy than a football guy. And uh, I know I know the differences between CFL football and NFL football, 
but uh, I am not up to date on player personnel. Well, that's just as well, because this is not uh, CFL Minute. <laughs> I don't even know how that would work. This is Flash Gordon Minute, and we are on Minute 103. So, um, Eric, walk us through what happens in this minute. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're picking up the wedding uh, again, and uh, we're, we're getting into it. That we, we, we have the ring. Uh, the ring, they're trying to force the ring onto Dale, and she's like, uh-uh, the clock's ticking, now we're less than, uh, less than 50 seconds left to the Earth, and then Baron storms in. He finally makes his way to the control room. There's so much going on in these last minutes, I actually completely forgot that, you know, Baron was running off uh, after blowing away Kala, and, um, the incompetent colonel of the battle control room finally meets his well-earned end. This guy, of, of all the incompetence that has surrounded Ming, this movie, we, we decided uh, recently he is the most incompetent, and so he meets a very uh, well-earned death here uh, as the Baron blows him away. Now, is this, is this the guy that Baron shoots while he's doing what Baron asked him to do? <laughs> you know, well, see, I didn't take it as him going to turn it off. I took it as him going to like start firing that gun to add more firepower to try to stop Flash. You took it as him actually do- trying to turn it off? Well, the, the the gun's already firing, and and Baron doesn't come in and shoot the control panel. He comes in and says, "Turn off the electric f- or the lightning field," and the guy runs over to the console, and then Baron shoots him. It's kind of a jerk move. All right, I'm watching it again here. Let's see. All right. See, I see. Uh, okay, so I've got a different interpretation of that shot. I take that shot as Baron says, "Turn it off," and he's running, and that specific gun isn't firing. I mean, at least it's you know. Now this could be as simple as they just didn't add in the special effect. Yeah. But the gun well, itself no, is not you know is not firing. So I took it as him going to the gun to say like, "I, I got to take this war rocket Ajax out," and so Baron blows him away, and in destroying that gun, it takes out the whole entire shield. I'm now looking through. Yeah, he. Yeah. But, I, no, I, 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 I accept that as an interpretation because. Yeah. Uh, he, it does look like he's running towards it. I'm now scrubbing through it as well. It looks like he is sort of moving to run there before, as Baron shoots the door. So it's like, okay, maybe his reaction was, okay, someone's coming in. I better get this gun going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how awesome is that, is that shirt jacket thing that he's wearing? <laughs> the plant shirt? <laughs> the plant, the, the woven grass. Yeah. <laughs> made, the, the costumes in this film. I assume oh. you guys have spent. Uh, oh, of course. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about us. it. But oh, sure. Good yeah. Lord. It's, it's, it's top-notch stuff. You know, we've talked about it a thousand times, and we will talk about it more. Um, this, is, this is a movie that sometimes is dismissed because it's ridiculous and it's silly. And, um, but there's nothing silly or ridiculous about how great uh, the costume work and the set design work and – it was a lot of work and a lot of serious stuff done to make a movie this silly. Um, it, it, nothing was done on, you know, the costumes were not done on the cheap. They were really amazing. Here's, here's the thing I always say about this movie. And, and you know, I, if you ask me on, on a certain day, like, I will happily say this is my favorite movie. This is, I have no doubt that this is exactly the film they set out to make. And if it doesn't work for certain audiences, that's fine. It obviously works for some people, but there's no, there's nothing. I, I really I really and truly believe that there's nothing here that they didn't intend to be in there, like from the look to the costumes to the acting to the script. Like like it is the film they wanted to make. It it, it is the interpretation of the comic they were going for. That's an and, interesting. That's an interesting take because um, 
Mike Hodges, the director, you know, has spoken about how every day when he showed up to the set, he he just he didn't know what was going to happen that day. That it was so by you know seat of the pants filmmaking. Um, and I'm wondering if you know certain specific departments on the movie, like the costuming and like the props and 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 uh, you know maybe like the matte painting and the special effects, they all were like you know. Yeah, we're we're not we're not looking to do this on the cheap. We're we're we want this to be a really good, you know, colorful, old flashback sci-fi type of thing, and that the problems came from the sort of hap- the the that the script sort of wavers back and forth a bit between uh, being pulpy or being more serious, uh, and uh, what we talked about way way back at the beginning, just all of the insanity that Dino De Laurentiis brought to being the producer of the movie. Hodges wasn't the original choice of director. I can't remember who yes. he tried to get uh, first. What was his name? Uh, H- have you listened to Hodges' commentary? Hodges has a commentary? Hodges has a commentary, yeah. Oh, is that, that's on like the, the UK region disc or something, right? It's not uh, on the one that's sold here in America. It's not on the one that's sold here, but you can, you can find it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Oh, and that's good to know. and, and he, he does talk a lot about um, like what you said, like they, they would arrive in the set, like, what are we going to do this? They're like, they were making stuff up as they were going. Uh, I think I wrote down some notes. I listened to it again um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, like the, the, this, the, the, bit, the thing that happens at the end of this minute, actually, where, where the, the rocket stabs Ming, uh, he, he claimed was his idea. Was Mike Hodge's idea? Was Mike Hodge's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he um no he and, but he at no point was he apologizing for the movie like right. at no point was he saying oh we we messed this up like he, he he honestly seemed very proud of it um he even talked about uh the the one of the prominent film critics of the time pauline kale uh gave it a very good review and and he sort of said grudgingly it's the only film of his she liked yeah i i, I remember when i was uh doing research for this way back before we even started i um there was a youtube some some interview that he did uh, you know at some con or something on youtube that i watched and um you could see when he's talking about the movie that he has like a twinkle in his eye that he clearly looks back fondly on the experience i mean he then went on to say that he never would have done the sequel if they had actually done a sequel but Mm -hmm. that just you know he he clearly enjoyed it and he clearly is happy that he did it and and has no regrets about it and it's very different from everything else he made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, 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 I could totally understand him not wanting to spend another three years in that world. <laughs> um, uh, Nicholas Roeg is the director they originally hired. Oh, that would have been a very different movie. <laughs> and what's great about Flash, every director could, uh, every director would make a completely different movie, and because there's just a malleability to the character, it's always going to be that. You know, it, it, it it lends itself very well to different movies. And, you know, there's other characters like that. Uh, even Batman that you think would be a little bit more of a static character. The difference between Adam West Batman to Christian Bale Batman is pretty sizable. <laughs> yeah. But, but Flash is even more so. Because Flash is a bl- blank slate. And, you know, you could do something very serious, more... Um, like what they tried to do with this sci-fi network show, uh, which toned down the camp. Um, not with the greatest success, but I don't think it was because of the concept. I think they had problems with budget and 
and stuff like that. It it is the thing of, of um, you have a, for lack of a better term, a bland hero inserted into a crazy world, because that allows the most people to sort of project upon the hero. Right, like you look at old comic strips, the the hero is often rendered the least specific, and and that was uh, that people claim that that is an intentional choice on the artist because the hero is who you're supposed to identify with. So the more specific you make the hero look, the more likely someone's going to say, "Well, that's not who I could be." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, but yeah. It, it, and and to have uh, an incredibly quote unquote normal or bland or you know blank slate to center the crazy around uh, gives you an anchor for people to um, invest in the story. Uh, and certainly, you know, in the, the casting choices in this movie, as much as I like Sam Jones in the movie, uh, everyone else in the movie is probably a better actor. Oh, yeah. He's... And I think Sam Sam Jones would probably agree with that even. Uh, he, he knew he was an inexperienced actor. He wasn't getting by in this movie on his acting chops per se. He was getting by on his his good looks, his athleticism, um, and you know definitely had a screen charisma. But it, he's not the first guy in this cast that you would want to cast in your Shakespeare in the Park, especially you know nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty Sam Jones. Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, we've got another Queen song that kicks in here. This one is called Crash Dive on Mingo City. This is a Brian May penned song as uh, Ajax comes in for the big climax. And I like how um, as Dale and Ming realize it's Flash piloting War Rocket Ajax coming in, uh, that Ming says Gordon first and then Dale says Flash. So I feel like a modern movie would have it be Flash, Gordon. And I like how they did it backwards as Gordon Flash. And I love the look that Ming then gives Dale after they say it. He, you know, she, he goes, Gordon. And she says, Flash. And then he just gives her a look like, what? Like, just like just complete dumbfounded. Like, I cannot believe that my wedding is being ruined, that this is happening to me right now. It's, 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 a, it's a really good moment. I had that in my notes as well, the, the Gordon Flash uh, thing. And I was, I was even thinking, like, if, if they'd reversed it, it might have been too much of a laugh line. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. But it's hard to believe this movie didn't go for an obvious laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Especially yesterday's minute, considering what was going on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Saying Flash Gordon works perfectly well with the the where's the ring gag. Right. (laughs) Uh, Then we get the call back. Uh, Dale gives a go Flash. We go back to the football fight earlier in the movie when she's doing her cheerleader thing, go Flash, go. And she gets Um, out of the way. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> she's she is running like she's not just saying go flash she's running it and shouting it over her shoulder <laughs> she's a survivor what's great one thing great about this minute is this is the minute where ming and there haven't been too many ming is unnerved and he is flustered and that doesn't happen ming has been in control almost the entire film yeah the only other time i can think of is after he finds that it's not dale in um his bedroom that it's the servant girl instead and he he comes out in that next scene and he looks all flustered like he's looking around like you know uh, this is really only the second time in the movie yeah that he's just completely lost well he's 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 been playing it with like perfect arrogance right there's that scene earlier on where he tries to bring flash over to his side i think they're on the the hawk they're in the hawk city yes and he 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 basically says, you know, you're 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 kind of a neat guy. Why don't you uh, why don't you come work for me? Because I I think the way it's at least that Von Cito's playing it, like it's 
he he just assumes everyone is like him. He assumes everyone will just take a bit of power uh, instead of doing the right thing. And and as long as he has this power to dole out, he's untouchable because he's the source of what, of course, everybody wants. Yeah, Ming's been so smart. You're right. He he holds out the power, but he doesn't completely hold it to himself. He gives everyone, you know, gives them a chance to wet their beak a little bit. And also it's so smart getting everyone to fight against each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he, he is, he is perfectly happy with Voltan and Baron squabbling amongst themselves. Cause then they're not bothering him. Yeah. And that, and that, that, that overconfidence, that cockiness is something that's been, that we've brought up before that, you know, he and Clytus and Kala are so sure of themselves, you know, Clytus gets killed because he goes to Hawkman city with no guards. He's so, you know, the, the thought of someone actually making an attempt on his life is so, far from what he thinks anyone would have the guts to do he doesn't feel he even needs guards with him and he gets that from ming because that's how ming carries himself mm-hmm. yeah so so uh, like yeah in this moment that 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 look he shoots at dale uh which i have now frozen on my screen and you're absolutely right eric it's amazing um yeah he's he's now feeling vulnerable there there is a rocket coming right at him <laughs> even he can't uh even he can't uh ignore that <laughs> but he still stay he still stands in front of it he doesn't run off to the side he doesn't like he jumps off the dais but he he then turns around and stands and looks at it yeah it makes you realize ming is good at he's running stuff because everyone else is wildly incompetent or wildly unfocused uh, everyone's, you know, Baron's too interested, has been too interested in fighting Voltan and uh, wooing uh, Aura. Uh, Voltan, uh, he hasn't been able to get his stuff straight because he's too busy fighting Baron and drinking and womanizing and all the fun stuff that he wants to do. Like, he's having t- too busy having a good time. Really, what Flash was able to bring is just focus and the desire to actually take down Ming. Uh, because it turns out all of Ming's uh, employees suck. <laughs> right. Well, they haven't had a challenge. Yeah, they haven't right. had a challenge. Again, his guards, like five of them got beat up by uh, Dale. Right. I like, th- I like that scene, though, where Dale grabs the gun and, and, and uh, makes a run for it. Oh, she somersaults her way into our hearts. It's amazing. <laughs> We, we love that scene too. It's just funny because it's uh, it's not the same Dale we see throughout the rest of the movie. It's completely uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is uh, so. Um, let me say that I said way back during the uh, tree stump monster uh, battle that uh, that was uh, one of my one of the memories I have of seeing this movie as a five year old in the theater was um, that there were two times during the movie that I specifically remember covering my eyes because I got scared. And the, the first one was back at the tree stump battle. And this now is the second time that I remember covering my eyes when uh, War Rocket Ajax comes in and the big spike on the plane is gunning for Ming. And, and I guess technically we don't know based on this minute what actually happens to Ming. I guess technically we have to wait till tomorrow. But the last few seconds of this minute and the first few seconds of tomorrow's minute is the second time that as a five-year-old I covered my eyes because I was so scared. Well, at the end of this minute, we definitely see he got stabbed. We we see his reaction like to that last that the split second of the minute. Yeah, but yeah. so I, I so I've got a question for you you two fellows who are now uh, the pre- preeminent pre- 
preeminent experts on this film. What is the timeline? How long has it been since Flash met Dale on the tarmac? Yes, uh, this has come up. Uh, and I actually, we, we plotted it out. This was, uh, oh boy, a few weeks ago. And at this point, it's been what, right? Maybe like three days or something? Yeah. Okay. Maybe so, maybe four days at most. Well, okay. So let's say, let's say, you know, 72 hours. Yeah, sure. 72 hours is all it takes. So if, if, if you take, if, if you make moves on Flash's girl, who he met just 72 hours ago, doesn't matter if you're the emperor of the universe, he will steal your rocket and stab you through the heart <laughs> for it. For someone he met, let's, let's, let's forget the fact that, you know, the earth is about to be destroyed. Let's just assume Flash is, is, is acting on uh, Dustin Hoffman in the graduate rules, as Brad pointed out <laughs> yesterday. He barely knows Dale. And he stole the emperor of the universe's rocket and then stabbed that emperor through the heart with it. <laughs> well, they that's are am- engaged. That's amazing. Think. They are engaged, so it's more than his girl. It's his fiance at this point. He moves fast. He-, <laughs> <laughs> he he has to move fast. He has the offensive line of the Jets blocking from all the time. He's always running around. This is the only time in years that he's gone 15 minutes without getting like sacked by some uh, by some really angry 300-pounder. So have you guys kind of, do you now have headcanon? Like, like how, what kind of quarterback was Flash? Like, was he, was he a scrambler? Was he, was he a, was he a long passer? Was he uh I think like, that I, I, to me, I see Flash as, as one of those uh, can do it all quarterbacks because I mean, just, you, you know, you look at the, at the football fight, the scene when he went with the football fight, I mean, he's, he's throwing the football and knocking the guards down. So obviously he's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Um, he clearly, he has to be a good scrambler. I mean, throughout the movie, he's, you know, he, he rolls on the ground and knocks the guys over like he's a bowling ball and, you know, and, and he's, and he's running around through the swamp. So he's got to be a good scrambler and, you know, he's coming up with, with plays. So he's, he's a cerebral passer. So I think he's just one of those all around QBs that can do it all. That brings up a good question. Now, Mike, I know you said you're not a big football fan. Uh, more of a baseball guy. More of a baseball guy. I, I I was a football fan. Let's go say ten years ago and back. But yeah. Do we? Um. So but so I'm curious. If you could think of a quarterback that you would believe would be comparable to Flash, uh, past or present. Someone. Yeah. Like a like an Elway. Okay. Elway. With a strong arm. He had kind of like the upper body that Flash seems to have. I, I I could see that uh, that that makes sense, and uh, also there's sort of an aw shucks thing to Elway. Yeah, that uh, Flash has. E- Eric, what about you? Well, I, I this isn't going to surprise anyone who's listened to the podcast. Russell Wilson, baby. <laughs> I like that. Although Flash is a little bit more height to him. Oh yeah, all right, fine. He's not a tall quarterback, yeah. But he's got he's got he's got a he's got a big arm, and he can scramble, and he's definitely got an aw shucks thing about him. He does. Uh, I like Russell Wilson. I'm not uh, not taking anything away from Russell Wilson. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a great representative for the game as well. I would go Steve Young. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. Bit of a scrambler, yes. good arm. He was the, he was the 49ers? Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, you know, he was... Um, and he, it, Steve Young, he was a Mormon. He was real all shucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're actually related to Brigham Young. Really? Yeah. Huh. There was a, a wonderful interview on the uh, Dennis Miller show with Steve Young. 
and young and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, it's not an easy job because I have guys that are trying to knock me on my my butt. And Dennis Miller says, like, come on, just say ass. <laughs> be the first Mormon ever to say ass. Think how proud your wives will be. Be happy he didn't say keister instead. Heiny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I love and a big fan of Steve Young because um, impossible job. You never want to be the quarterback following an all-time great quarterback. Uh, and Steve Young followed Joe Montana, so and ended up having a great career after uh, after him. And that's that's not easy to do. Yeah, and he won at least one Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he won one, which is which is crazy because it almost sounds like a disappointment because Joe Montana won four. Uh, it was three or four, yeah. Yeah, and he was still throwing to Jerry Rice, and like, if, if you have the receivers, if you have the 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 offensive, like you come in for Mon- subbing for Montana, you still have Montana's offensive line, you still have Montana's uh, receivers to throw to. Like, I, I'm not taking away. I don't mean to take take that away, but you're you're coming into a, a pretty solid machine. Yeah, I mean, they were all they were throwing to the greatest wide receiver in the history of the game. Definitely. Well, I have nothing else for this minute, but I did want to ask Mike a question. I wanted to tie in Earth's mixtape here. Let's let's say that Voyager had passed through the Imperial Vortex instead of Sarkov's rocket. What 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 would have what would have happened if, uh, if Voyager somehow ended up in uh, on Mongo? Would would they have cared? They they would have been you know they would have taken this thing put together by the pitiful humans. And their 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 lousy uh, LP technology. They haven't <laughs> digital distribution yet. And I think they would have just laughed at the whole thing. Really, I mean, <laughs> they would have looked at our pictures of people standing on mountains and raking leaves, and our uh, fantastic picture of our solar system. And they would have said, "Is this really the best they could put on a record?" I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, so so that leads us into yeah, Mike. Please plug your pluggables. Uh, as I said yesterday, we have this uh, podcast, uh, which is now finished, uh, so it's complete. And if anyone goes to Apple Podcasts or Google Play, they can look for Earth's Mixtape, where me and my colleagues, uh, Roby Austin, who's a nuclear physicist, and Hannah Ayler, who's an astrophysicist, uh, both of whom have a musical background, uh, got together and we reviewed the Voyager Golden Record, one song at a time, one photo at a time, one bit at a time. And if you're ever curious about... Uh, how uh, a group of scientists and artists put together a record of humanity that, in case any aliens found it, what went into that, uh, feel free to listen, and hopefully we can uh, answer some questions. Oh, very cool. Um, and uh, everyone should uh, check that out and uh, give it a listen, and we recommend everyone do that. Uh, Mike has been fantastic this week. We look forward to finishing strong tomorrow. Um, was there anything that really surprised you uh, over the run of that podcast? Um, what surprised me was I kind of expected when we got the idea for it, it seemed like, oh, this will be fun. We're going to talk about world music. We're going to talk about this thing that all these uh, incredibly smart and creative people did to put together a record of humanity. Uh, I was surprised in the end of how critical we were. I was surprised to find out that they made tons of mistakes. I was surprised to find out they made what we felt were some pretty uh, dicey choices, uh, even for the time. And and, and our, you, you, if you listen from the beginning, and I, I would say if anyone, if this sounds interesting to any of your listeners and you go to listen, uh, probably the best is to start at the beginning, but we sort of hit our stride at around episode five or six. Um, 
you'll hear us sort of get more and more critical and sort of less patient with the decisions they made. Yeah, our opinion of Carl Sagan at the end was not as high as our opinion of Carl Sagan at the beginning. Carl Sagan <laughs> was the head of the team putting this record together. So that's a, that, that's a tease. Very cool. Recommend everyone check that out. Um, Eric, what, what about us? Where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Find out more on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute listeners vortex on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod and on email Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. Uh, we ask everyone for the rating rooms reviews on iTunes because, uh, you know, we, well, we just like people saying nice stuff about us. You know, this is another great minute. I'm looking forward to finishing strong tomorrow. Uh, but I, uh, I'm a little perplexed, Eric. You know, uh, we have this great guest with us, but, um, but you know, I, I'm a little concerned. It's a, I, I don't think he's our first Canadian guest. We, we, we've had Canadians on before, haven't we? Oh boy. Uh, I, I, I honestly do not know the answer to that question off the top of my head. <laughs> well, you know, everything seems to be going great, but I, you know, I tend to say stuff without thinking. And, uh, you know, what if I say something that's offensive to Canadians and word spreads? And next thing I know, um, Flash Gordon Studios could be overrun by the kids from Degrassi Junior High. <laughs> well, listen, if you're concerned about the McKenzie brothers taking up arms against you and Wayne Gretzky coming on over with his hockey stick and uh, a bear with a, a six-pack of Labatt's Blue pouring it on your head, uh, don't worry about it. Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, follow us on Twitter on Flash Gordon Pod. Join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for the next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Moving at the speed of sound. You think I'd be slowing down, but I'm not losing my momentum. There are ways to turn around, so I don't crash into the ground. I wish someone would invent them. Despite the pretty dress and curls, you don't throw like other girls. You follow through. But I'll come on back, cause I know Though you meant to let me go, I could always be your boomerang. I'll come on back, you will see. All you said got through to me, and I would like to be your boomerang. Going down, but no one knew. I was losing altitude. I should have landed, and I tried to. Never took my eyes off you But I got dizzy and you threw me You were right too But I'll come on back Cause I know Though you meant to let me go I could always be open right I'll come on back You will see All you said got through to me And I would like to be open right I flew apart but they read Attach me I'm coming in hot Hope you'll catch me I'll come on back Cause I know Though you meant to let me go I could always be your boomerang I'll come on back You will see All you said got through to me And I would like to
like to be your boomerang 